Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you so very much for joining us. Our special guest today is Paige Arnoff-Finn, founder of Mavens and Moguls. Thank you for joining us, Paige. Thanks so much for having me, John. It's great to be here. Uh, let me tell you all a bit about Paige and, and Mavens and Moguls. So Mavens and Moguls is a network of seasoned marketing professionals with experience at the highest levels in small, medium, and large companies. Paige was formerly Vice President of Marketing at Zipcar and also at Inc.com. And as the founder of Mavens and Moguls, she has worked with such Fortune 500 companies as Microsoft, Virgin, Colgate, and the New York Times, just to name a few. And Paige holds an undergraduate degree in economics from Stanford University and MBA from Harvard Business School. Uh, Paige, tell us, to get us started, tell us a bit about Paige Arnoffin, the person. So who is Paige Arnoffin? What, uh, you know, tell us about life growing up for you, family life, influences that shape maybe why you do what you do today. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in the deep south of the United States, uh, first in Tennessee, and then my family moved to Louisiana. So I have very southern roots. All four of my grandparents came from uh, the deep south. So people in my family have very strong accents. I have maybe the least strong accent of everybody because I've moved around a lot. But um, I always thought I wanted to be in business. My father was a banker. Both of my grandfathers were bankers. So there's a strong business gene in my family. I always knew I wanted to go get an MBA and be successful in business. But I always thought I was going to go run a big Fortune 500, like big multinational corporation. And uh, my first jobs out of college and graduate school were all with very large multinational companies. I worked for Procter & Gamble. I worked for Coca-Cola. I worked for the Olympics. So very large brands, very big budgets. And I really thought that would be my career path. But when the internet started taking off in the mid-90s, I got very interested in what was going on in technology. And um, I left my big corporate job at Coca-Cola to join the first internet startup that I joined out in Los Angeles. And I was the head of marketing. And the company raised a lot of money, about $40 million. It was the first boom of the internet when it was pretty easy to raise money. And we went public in 1999, and then we were sold to Yahoo. So it was very exciting, and it was a lot of fun. And it was my first kind of foray into small business, and I just loved it. I loved how fast things moved and how much energy there was, and the fact that we could kind of make up the rules as we were going. When you work in a big corporate environment, there are a lot of rules that you have to follow. There's a process for everything. And it's funny because I always thought I would be a corporate person, but I was always the person at P&G and at Coke 
that was trying to bend, break, or change the rules. And I never would have said I was an entrepreneur, but it turns out I think a lot of my natural instincts are very entrepreneurial. So working for a small business really appealed to me. And then my husband and I moved to Boston. I joined another startup on the East Coast, and we got sold to Bertelsmann, a big European company. And then I did another startup as the head of marketing, and um, I got bought out, and that company also went public. So I got very lucky with three different startups. And, um, you know, it was just so much fun, and it was very exciting. And I got to start with a blank slate, and I realized that being an entrepreneur and being in a small business was very energizing and exciting. And now I cannot even imagine going back and working for a big company again, which is so funny. So I started Mavens and Moguls 16 years ago, and I can't believe it because my longest job before this was three and a half years. So I've now worked for myself more than four times longer than I've worked for anybody else. And I joke that it has to be successful because now I'm, I, I don't think I could go work for anyone again. So I, I, I would not be able to get a real job. I have to make this successful. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And, and when you started Mavens and Moguls 16 years ago, Paige, who was, what was Mavens and Moguls like back then and, how, and what is it like today and how's it changed? So in some ways, uh, at its core, it's exactly the same, but the world has changed so much. So I started the company right after 9-11, which was a very defining event here in the U.S., um, it was, you know, the whole world just seemed to stop, you know, um, marketing was the first thing that really got hit badly across the board. It didn't matter if you were for profit, nonprofit, big company, small company, technology, consumer products, everybody cut their marketing right away after 9-11 just to wait and see if everything was going to be okay again. And um, I saw an opportunity because I had worked as the head of marketing for three successful small businesses. All of those businesses um, raised a lot of venture capital money. So I had very good contacts in California and also the East Coast of the U.S. And um, people started asking me to help them because they laid off their marketing department. All the marketing people got fired, but they still needed help, but they didn't want to make a permanent hiring decision. So there was an opportunity for somebody to come in and help with marketing, but not permanently. And because I had just gotten bought out of my third startup, I was available. So the concept originally was, I had a, a group of very talented, great marketing talent who was all available and they would work on an as-needed basis um, as consultants. So that part of the business has not changed at all. My group is much bigger today. I've got about four dozen people now. Uh, I started with just a handful. Um, so the company's grown both in terms of my colleagues and also our revenue. 
Um, but the concept is really at its core exactly the same. The world's changed a lot, though. There's, there was a huge recession, 2008, 9, 10. So the economy has gone up, it's gone down, it's gone back up and back down. But I think the way that we're structured makes more sense today than it did even when I started it 16 years ago because a lot of companies don't want to add a lot of infrastructure and overhead. Um, I think before I started Mavens and Moguls, it was very common or popular to have maybe human resources or a legal department or bookkeeping accounting to be outsourced, but marketing was never outsourced. So I'm a little bit of a pioneer in the marketing outsource space because nobody was really doing it with, with marketing before we started. And we initially did it on a global basis because I worked for global brands with Coke and Procter and Gamble My network was everywhere. I knew people all over the world through the Olympics, through all my experience. So when I needed people, I just called the best people that I knew, and they lived all over the world. So from the very beginning, with computer technology, with cell phones, with the talent that's mobile, you could take on work anywhere and be a very efficient, effective resource for companies that need excellent talent but don't want to spend a ton of money. They could just buy what they need. And so I knew I, knew I had a great network. I knew these people were really talented because I had worked with them all before. And now there are people in the group that I didn't work with before, but I met them since I started Mavens and Moguls. So I've now added people by referral, by recommendation from people I know, because um, as the company's grown, I've needed more people. So it's it's been really exciting. Yeah, excellent. Who does uh, Mavens and Moguls work with? Uh, what can you give us an example? Yeah. So um, our clients range from very early stage startups to Fortune 500 companies. Um, the the early early stage companies. They could not even have revenue. Maybe the venture capitalists put some money into it and they're trying to get started. So they don't have a marketing department. They've got an engineer, you know, maybe they're building their first website. They may not even have a logo or a name or a tagline or business cards or stationery. They may need the very basic package of marketing material just to get going and we've done a lot of work with early stage companies and when the venture capitalist needs um, marketing help and you do a good job they usually invest in lots of companies so if you do a good job for one of their portfolio companies it can always lead to more work across other investments that they're making so we tend to work across lots of different uh, firms that have investments in a whole bunch of areas. I would say the majority of our clients are maybe 2 million to 200 million US dollars. So mid-market, emerging market, they're big, they they have have got revenue, but they still don't necessarily want to build an entire marketing department. 
because they don't want to put that level of investment into marketing talent. For companies that are at the middle stage, their needs can shift radically from month to month or quarter to quarter. So using a firm like ours, some months we work on public relations, some months we work on their website, some months we work on market research. And those are different people, it's different skill sets. So it's a very efficient way for them to get a large talent base without making a huge overhead commitment. Well, as you mentioned um, when you were introducing me, we have very large companies, Microsoft, we, uh, you know, Colgate Toothpaste, that we've done business um, with over the years. They obviously have marketing talent in-house. They have agencies they work with. But they may have a very specific problem that they need to fix, but it's not something that they need to fix all the time. They just need to get through a period where they're in a crunch, but um, they don't necessarily need full-time help forever. So we're a great solution to help them. Also, sometimes maybe the marketing uh, leader has uh, surgery or they're going to have a baby and they need somebody to come in and do the job for two or three months while the person is away. And so they use us for an interim uh, role to help them through a period where they have a gap or a need um, just to make sure that business can continue without a missing a beat. Yeah. And a big part of this successful business is your, your name, the business name. And Mavens and Moguls is a great name. And there's a bit of a story behind it. How did you get that name? So it's, it is a fun story. So when I, when I realized I was going to start a consulting business, I made a very conscious decision that I didn't want to name it after myself. I have a hyphenated last name, and I wanted people to think it wasn't just me. It was a larger group. And I didn't want a very serious name because I'm kind of a funny person, and I wanted my personality maybe to come through, and I wanted it to be something that people would remember and that would just stand out. And if you're going to do branding and marketing, you have to do a good job of branding and marketing yourself because otherwise, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of marketing person am I if I can't even do a good job for me? So, um, you know, I, I know there are lots of serious firms that call themselves strategic marketing advisors or integrated marketing solutions. But I just didn't feel like that was authentic to me. And when I was just starting, before we even um, officially took on business and I was trying to get people to join me, I called my favorite people that I used to work with at all my prior jobs. And um, so I was building the team, the talent network. And when I would email the group, I referred to the women as the marketing mavens and the men as the marketing moguls. And for short, when I emailed them, I said, hey, mavens and moguls, here's something that I'm thinking about. And it was, I like the alliteration. The word maven is a Yiddish word for expert. 
Um, mogul, if you look it up in the dictionary, is someone of rank, power, or distinction in a specified area. And I like the meaning of the words. I like the playfulness of the words. A friend of mine who's a designer did a logo for me. And so when we were officially starting to take on business, uh, I said, oh my goodness, we have to have a website or how will people know that we're in business? And I didn't know if we, like I was calling everybody Mavens and Moguls, but I didn't know if that was really a good name or not. So I ended up sending out an email to about 100 people. And I, I did what at Procter & Gamble we used to call a concept test. So you, you put out the concept and you leave the name blank. And then you give them a whole list of names of what to call it. And I sent out the email and I said, I'm going to start doing some marketing consulting. I'm trying to name my company. Here are some options. Could you please give me feedback? Whether you like it, you hate it, do you have other names you like? So I just threw it out to the world to see what people thought. And of the 100 people I asked, everybody had an opinion. And I was shocked that Mavens and Moguls, I had the name on the list. I didn't expect it to do very well. I just thought it was my name. But um, I was really surprised that of the people that responded, Mavens and Moguls was in the top five for like the majority of the people. They, they, they didn't even necessarily know what it meant. They just liked the sound of it. There were two people who hated the name Mavens and Moguls. And they said, whatever you do, <laughs> don't name the company Mavens and Moguls. I think that's the stupidest name I've ever heard. So, you know, I, so it, it really came to the top of the list. But then I was worried that these two people hated it. So I called them a few days later. And I said, you know, I have a question for you um, about the email I sent. And before I even asked anything, one of the people who had said, don't pick Mavens and Moguls, he said to me, you know, I'm really glad you called because I told you I hated this one name and it's the only name I can even remember. And now I kind of like it. It's growing on me. <laughs> and then the other person said that they would name the company Company X. And I thought that was a terrible name. So then I decided they were, they were a bad judge. So I, I wasn't going to count their name anyway. So... Anyway, so I kind of knew it achieved one of my most important goals, which is you had to be able to remember the name and that it had to stand out and that it had to have a positive um, feeling. It had to leave you with something that felt very good. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I knew we had a winner. And what's really funny to me now, 16 years later, is I still love the name. And as I said, because I have a hyphenated last name after I got married, it's kind of a mouthful between my personal name and Mavens and Moguls. And I'll go out sometimes to networking events or even socially, and I'll hear somebody scream, Maven lady or Paige Maven, how are you? 
They don't remember my last name. They don't remember Mavens and Moguls. But more than one client, it's probably happened a handful of times, have said to me, I met you years ago and I couldn't remember anything other than Paige and Mavens. And I Googled it and you came up right away. And I think that's, that's success. In my, in my mind, that's a great way to get found. If they can find you on Google, you're gold. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent. Tell us, uh, Paige, what I get a lot out of when I, when I interview successful guests such as yourselves is the lessons they've learned from mistakes that they've made along the way. Uh, and I'm sure you're no exception to the rule. I'm sure you've made mistakes along the way. So what's one? <laughs> you make them every day. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, what's some major, a major mistake or a few major mistakes that you've made that you really learned from that you feel would be a great benefit for our listeners? So I think that a number one rule is you can't be scared to make mistakes because that's just part of the deal. I, I actually wrote a column for Entrepreneur Magazine about the fact that you can't be successful without making mistakes. So I, the first thing I would tell the people listening is you, you really have to just know that part of being an entrepreneur and part of being in business is you continue to pivot and course correct as you go and you get better information. And then if you have to change your mind or change direction, that's just part of the deal. Um, I think the biggest mistake that I made. So when I started, like I said, I had a handful of people to start with and you know, we were growing pretty quickly um, between the first year and the second year, we quadrupled and then we tripled and then we doubled. The base kept getting bigger, so our growth rate slowed down, but the company was growing pretty quickly. And I realized pretty early on that some of my, there were one, two people that had started with me at the very beginning who were not comfortable with the level of growth and the way the, the marketing world was evolving. Because you have to remember, 16 years ago, people, business people, there was no Twitter, there was no social media, no Instagram, no Pinterest. When Facebook started, it was just for kids in school. It was not a professional tool. There was no LinkedIn. And I had people, you know, a couple people that started with me that really were not, uh, they didn't have the right attitude for growth and they were getting more and more uncomfortable as we got, we had to move quickly and, um, you know, take chances and just, you know, kind of fasten our seatbelts and go. And, um, it was very, um, I'm naturally, I think, a very um, loyal person, and I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I was very appreciative that they started with me when I had nothing, but it became more and more obvious as we were growing bigger that they were part of the past, but not part of the future, and it was very hard for me to admit that it was time for us to shake hands and part ways. And, um, you know, I was trying to attract the very best marketing talent to work with me. And I think when people start to feel threatened or they're out of their comfort zone, 
they can change the culture of your company if they're not comfortable and they felt like they were the originals and you know they were not gonna be able to grow with us in the direction that I felt we needed to go and it was very hard for me to kind of continue to keep bringing in fresh blood and people that had skills for the future and that had the same growth mentality that I did. So um, I guess the biggest lesson I learned from that is even though it's uncomfortable and even though it's hard to do, sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself and even for them, but definitely for your business, is to realize when people are not a good fit, if you want to keep your team working at the top level, you have to keep raising the bar. And if people are not comfortable with that, they shouldn't be part of the team going forward. And that was really hard because it's, it's just one of those, uh, you know, tough love kind of situations that ultimately was absolutely the right thing to do. But um, it was a tough call. And like I said, you know, as social media became popular, um, as the economy started to take a dive in late 2008, you know, if you if you're just going to stay in place, you're never going to survive. You have to be willing to try new things and grow and test and learn and learn what you can and get rid of the things that are not working. And, you know, I learned so much during that period because our clients were, t before the recession, most of our work was retainer-based. So companies had us on a monthly retainer. But during the recession, people got very nervous about long-term retainers. And I had three or four projects in a row in the same two weeks get put on hold or postponed. And for me, you know, if you have a six-figure project that gets delayed, that's a huge project for a firm like mine. And it wasn't just one. It was one, then another one, then another one. And you have to be honest that the factors that are affecting your business are much bigger than you. Um, sometimes the world is just changing and I can't change the fact that Wall Street's in a mess and companies are having trouble raising funds and if they can't raise money, they can't spend money. So um, instead of panicking or trying to do the same thing, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. You have to admit that you got to try something new. So I ended up doing what I called my listening tour. Yeah, here in the US when politicians are running for office, they always say they're going on a listening tour and they go talk to people and listen to what the problems are. So when the economy was starting to shut down in late 2008 and I didn't have a lot of work, I said, well, I better go talk to some clients and some potential clients and past clients and I should find out what's on their mind. So I took a lot of people to lunch and breakfast and coffee, and I just started asking them questions. What are you doing? 
are you how much money are you spending what are your goals what do you want to achieve how is your business changing and I just let them talk and this was a period here in the US when people were not very busy because everything was slowing down so I was able to have meetings with everybody everybody had time to talk to me and I started hearing a lot of different themes emerging in these conversations social media was really starting to take off and a lot of companies didn't understand it and they didn't know if they needed a blog or should they be on Facebook and what is Twitter all these things were just starting to to get popular and so after uh, yeah I spent a couple of months every week talking to people and I realized there were a lot of these issues that kept coming up over and over and until that point we did no social media it was not part of our mix but after you know 10 companies in a row said to me can you explain social media to me should I be doing social media what does that even mean what does it make sense for my industry for my company I decided I'd put together a workshop to explain what are, what's out there what does it mean who's using it how do you use it and just demystify the whole process and I would charge it like a workshop like a one-time fee it was not a retainer because other information that I learned on my listening tour was that people their budgets got cut a lot and they were no longer even clients that had hired us on retainer for years are no longer going to be able to put us on retainer in the future they would only hire us for a project and their boss told them no more no more retainer if you need help you just get help for your project so i i called everybody i sent emails and i said thank you for spending time and talking to me I decided I'm going to start a workshop and I'm going to explain what's going on with the, the social media and all the new tools and technologies and I'm going to charge this and I have a half day workshop, I have a full day workshop, here's the price and I started selling lots of workshops and everybody had a budget for something small and discreet. So. I had to change my offerings and if I had not done that I would have just been sitting around waiting for my phone to ring but this way I got lots of conversations started every workshop at the end somebody would come up and say well that was good can you help me do that can that be a next project or this other department needs the workshop too will you come back next week and do it here at the other side of the company and I'm sure no problem so I learned how to make money in small buckets like not to be dependent on a stream of an annuity but to make sure that I had a series of small pr projects that over the course of the year turned into as big the, the clients were they spent the same money with me before the recession and after the recession but it was much more tied to the way that they got money 
post-recession. They were able to get approval for the budget if I could do it on a project basis. So it really helped me survive during a tough period and reinvent my company. And, and I'm still today, you know, years later, still doing more projects than retainers because even though the economy's much better now, a lot of companies still don't want to spend money every month just, mm. you know, spend, spend, spend. So it's helped me become more flexible, more nimble, more responsive, and um, more relevant, I think. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Thanks for sharing that, Paige. What I wanted to, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Paige, and I really appreciate your time today and, and everything you shared, is when you start working with a company for the first time, what do you find, and, and this is, I want to give you, want you to give advice for all the business owners out there. What do you find are the key marketing tweaks that you make initially when you're working with a company that need to be made because they're not doing it? So in, in other words, what's, yeah, what's some of the biggest marketing mistake companies are making today that you come in and like the low hanging fruit, you think, yep, we definitely need to change that, change that. So one of the, the first things I like to do, um, and I think it's because I started my marketing career at Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble invented the concept of brand management. And P&G is a very successful company all over the world. They have the, the best known brands in every category they compete in. It's Pampers for Diapers, Crest for toothpaste, Pantene for shampoo, like Tide for detergent, whatever it is, they are number one in every category. And they, they train you when you're a, a young employee there. You have to start with your customer. You have to understand what's going on in their head and in their heart. So it all starts with market research. And I think a lot of companies, they think they know the answer, but they're not asking the right question and they're not asking the right audience. And especially with small companies, I feel like um, they tend to ask a question in a way that's like leading the witness. And if you ask a bad question, you're not getting very valuable information back. And if you ask your best friend, your neighbor, your mother, your sister, they might not want to hurt your feelings. So if, if, a, if a young company comes to me and says, I have this great idea and I think it's going to be huge. Everyone says it's a great idea. And then they show me what their plans are. And I'm like, okay, who have you talked to? But they haven't necessarily talked to their target audience. They talk to their friends and family. And I feel like that's a very big mistake because there's a saying here in the U.S., and maybe you have it as well, no one wants to tell you your baby is ugly. And, um, you know, people don't want to hurt your feelings. You know, your friends and your family want, oh, you're so smart. That's so great. That's a great idea. 
And honestly, it's better if they tell you there's a problem so that you don't make a stupid mistake. So if the company, if our clients are willing to invest part of their budget in research, I love to start the projects with research to find out what the real customer believes. Because if it's not something that the customer is willing to spend money on, or there's an alternative that's cheaper or faster or lighter or, you know, not as many calories or whatever, you need to find that out so you don't waste time and money going down a path that's never going to be successful. So that to me is probably one of the, the biggest mistakes you can see early on. I guess the other thing is you get one chance to make a great first impression. And if people hire us, let's say, to do public relations, you know, with PR, you're asking, you're trying to get people's attention, and usually you're trying to drive them to your website. Uh, most companies want, want traffic, they want people to come and buy things or sign up for things. And the problem is, I know we're very good at PR, but if your website is bad or it's not easy to navigate, and I tell people, look at me, look at me, look at me, and then they look at you and it's a terrible experience, you've wasted a lot of time, energy, and money to drive the traffic when, in fact, you should have invested to fix your website before you start your PR. And I find that you get one chance to to do it right. And if you have to tell them to come back later, it's going to cost you twice as much money to get them to come back because they're going to remember they had a really bad experience last time. Mm -hmm. So I think for all the, the small and uh, early stage companies out there, talk to real customers you know, make sure you're asking a legitimate question and getting very honest feedback and make sure you've got the right message and that your navigation and your user interface, that your website really looks ready for prime time. Because if not, you're really not, you're doing a disservice. You're not going to help yourself. You're wasting your time and money. Excellent advice. Thank you so very much. Uh, we've been speaking today with Paige Arnoff-Finn of Mavens and Moguls. And if you want to work with uh, uh, Paige or if you want to find out more about uh, Mavens and Moguls, you can go to their website, mavensandmoguls.com. Is that correct, Paige? Perfect. All right. All right. Excellent. Again, thank you so very much, Paige. And I want to thank everyone for being here and listening today. Thank you. It's been fun. Hey, John Legadakis here. If you got something out of today's podcast episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as each week I'm doing more of these valuable interviews. Also, share it with your friends. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so anytime through my website, johnlegadakis.com. There's also a lot of great free resources there to help you to get more traffic and leads for your business. This is John Legadakis signing off. I'll see you all next time.